armies, the non-governmental organization armies uh, which are under the United Nations that come out with masses of money and get immediate publicity from all the media as they insert their projects into the pa- their news pages on how green you've got to be and how sustainable the world has to be and all that kind of thing. So really... We're living in, in a, a very, very well-controlled society. I really don't believe anything happens across the world that wasn't planned that way. And um, even what's happened in Norway is just too coincidental. It happens when Norway's talking about pulling out of bombing Libya. And bang, you know, so this will be them back in again, no doubt. And it'll also be a message to every other country not to pull out either. So... For, for even Al-Qaeda to supposedly take credit for something makes no sense at all, especially when the, the Pentagon in recent weeks has mentioned the fact that they're working with Al-Qaeda in Libya. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. I don't know what happened there, but anyway, I'm back on that line. And talking about internationalism and how you're bombarded with uh, news all over the world, but seldom you get really interesting news that's happening at home. And that's part of the distraction. We live in a kaleidoscopic world where everything is mushed together and most folk don't have much memory. They don't reason through things. They're, They're unable to sift out or throw away the rubbish and sift out the stuff that really matters to them personally. And because of that, they they don't have much memory. They don't reason through things. They just learn by osmosis. It's a technique that neuroscientists talk about, by the way. They're taught this science. They know how it works and why it works so well, and they're stepping it up today. But in between, as I say, the the, the bombing in uh, Oslo, uh, which is right on cue, basically, and the things that are happening elsewhere in the world, the selective uh, newscasts that we get. Back home, things are getting worse and worse. uh, And you'll notice in Europe too, the European Parliament's on about the same thing. Oh my God, we've got to integrate further all the money system, which is exactly what they want. They get it through crisis creation. And here you go, they're integrating the the entire monetary system into uh, under their own wings, basically. So uh, as they're doing that, the U.S. is going down and down and down with inflation and more mass unemployment. There's an article here uh, to do with uh, H.R. Bill 1505. It's also taking away the shoreline now. It says H.R. Bill 1505 allows for the Department of Homeland Security takeover of seashores and coastal areas. Uh, The new bill wants to allow the Department of Homeland Security to have jurisdiction over all federal lands on national seashores and coastal areas. It says H.R. Bill 1505 is called the National Security and Federal Lands Protection Act. Isn't that nice? And it would force the Secretary of the Interior to cede authority to coastal public lands as well as lands located along the borders of Canada and Mexico to the Secretary of Homeland Security when the latter sees fit. It would give the Department of Homeland Security the ability to construct roads and fences, deploy patrol vehicles, and set up monitoring equipment in the national seashore with uh, impunity. And it would would waive the need for the Department of Homeland Security to comply with environmental laws in areas within 100 miles of a coastline or international border. So they can basically do all the things that you cannot do as far as the environment goes. But it was interesting, they're basically expanding uh, the border 
uh, into the interior even, even more than they already have. I think, I think it was a customs department uh, expired some years ago and it's about 50 miles from the actual shoreline. So now they're going to go 100 miles under Homeland Security. It says the laws from which the Department of Homeland Security would be exempt include National Environmental Policy Act, the Endangered Species Act, the National Historic Preservation Act, Clean Air Act, uh, the Coastal Zone Management Act, Federal Water Pollution Control Act and Migratory Bird Treaty Act and Safe Drinking Water and so on and so on. It says, uh, so anyway, they're, they're trying to get this through, so they've got something else up their sleeves, and that'll tie in too with all the gunboats they now have on the Great Lakes. And we also find as well, as I say, that um, return of mass layoffs are coming. That's a grim sign for U.S. workers. It's just putting pressure on an already lousy job market, the mass layoffs, is making a comeback. In the past week, Cisco, Lockheed Martin and Borders announced a combined 23,000 in job cuts. And it says these announcements follow the 41,432 in planned cuts in June, up 11.6% from May and 5.3% versus a year earlier, according to Challenger Grey and Christmas. It's a strange name, Grey and Christmas. Meanwhile, state and local governments have cut 142,000 jobs this year. The Wall Street Journal reports, and Wall Street is braced for another round of cutbacks. This week, Goldman Sachs announced plans to let go 1,000 fixed-income traders. If these trends continue, we may soon be talking about losses in the monthly employment data, not just disappointing growth, says Howard Davidowitz, CEO of Davidowitz and Associates. Everything in business is confidence, he says. You lose confidence and businesses can't deal with that. And who could have confidence with what's going on in Washington? So anyway, I've said this for years, as the U.S. has taxed itself into the ground, basically, to bring in this new world order so that others can rule it, uh, they will pull the rug from under their feet at home. That was always the plan. And the U.S. now really is not a first world country. When you compare it to each other, up-and-coming first world countries, the U.S. is going exactly below them with, uh, with lots of different, uh, uh, even their roads are in a mess. Um, there's no real uh, upkeep in a lot of big projects that the, the, the public need and uh, the health care is going to the dogs as well even the ones that's already insured that aren't getting the care they used to get and uh, mind you they're still paying in the US for, for more hospitals to be built in China as they roll in the cash as the only manufacturer on the planet so this is all strategy that's worked out obviously because you know we're, we're taught that those at the top um, just, just bungle things. You know, they, they make great plans and they, and they bungle things. They didn't realize this would happen, that would happen. That's utter nonsense because you don't imply, th- employ thousands of think tanks on all different aspects of your policies uh, on full-time positions uh, and make these kind of uh, screw-ups. It does not happen that way. This isn't, there's no screw-up at all involved. That's going exactly the way it was planned to go. And as the U.S. finishes off uh, the last few countries to mop up, to standardize into this one-world system. And they've got Iran to go. They've got uh, Syria to go. And they'll finish off uh, Libya as well. Uh, then that will be the end, basically, of the U.S. And you wait and see when all those tanks and things eventually roll home uh, they'll be used on the streets of America. They've actually talked about that at the top. They know there's riots to come with so-called austerity and massive taxation to come in. And, well, it's basically inevitable. That's the way it's planned to go. And 
I want to mention too about all this darn spraying we're getting. It's just incredible. As I say, there's not one government in the world going to talk about it or even admit it's going on. When the Canadian government was asked about it, the Department of Defence said they didn't have to answer that question, and that was in Parliament when one politician from Sudbury actually asked the question, why are we getting sprayed like this? And he says he didn't have to answer that question. And so he didn't deny it either. But uh, we are being sprayed like crazy. And uh, you can, you'll find that some uh, places in the States are more active in finding out what they've got in their systems because of the spring. Toxic barium and aluminum levels found in more Mojave County residents who've all got blood tests. And it says um, the Golden Valley, Arizona, uh, um, just three months after Golden Valley resident uh, Juan Luca Zana encouraged others to get blood tests, more than a dozen people have tested positive for toxic levels of barium and aluminum. The majority of those who tested positive are from Kingman and Golden Valley. Two are from Phoenix and one is from Dallas, Texas. Remember, too, that's the stuff they suggested back in the 50s and 60s. They would use in spraying the air uh, to, to use uh, electromagnetic uh, radioactive well, radiation pulses across vast areas for weather warfare purposes and for subduing the population. Uh, barium and aluminum. And so you get weather warfare involved because that's how you also alter the weather and you also have an effect on the general population. You can make them very docile, for instance. Since none of them works in an at-risk industrial environment, in other words, they don't work in aluminum companies or factories, and most spend their time indoors, said Zana, who along with his wife and another area resident tested positive for toxic levels of barium earlier this year. A total of 17 people have pursued blood tests with 13 testing positive for toxic levels of barium or aluminum. The maximum safe level, according to LabCorp, is 2 micrograms per litre for Quest Labs, and it's, for Quest Labs it's 10. Using those guidelines, most of those who've tested positive measured at more than 1,000% above safe levels. The highest barium count was 250, found in a Golden Valley woman. Three of the people tested positive for toxic levels of aluminum. The maximum safe levels of aluminum is 7 micrograms per litre, one Kingman man had a level of 21. It says that water has been ruled out as a source through testing. Many believe the toxic levels have to do with the air they're breathing and the release of chemtrails used in weather modification, which they now call chemtrails. Toxic levels of barium create immune system problems. Everyone's got immune system problems today. Everyone. And it can also cause miscarriages. Aluminum toxicity leads to muscle cramps. Very common. I get a lot of complaints here on it of people who have got uh, muscle cramps uh, from it, uh, and memory problems it can cause. So anyway, this is on Monday, Zana sent packets by registered mail containing everyone's test results, along with a letter to the Governor Jan Brewer, um, Representative Trent Franks, Senator Ron Gould, Representative Nancy McLean, and Representative Dor- uh, Doris Goodale, and Senator Kyle, uh, John Kyle. Zana's letter demands the state of Arizona start an official investigation of this matter, to determine why there are such high levels of barium and aluminum in people's blood. And I'll put this link up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the night. But it's been happening for so long, and as I say, I can remember when they first started to spray uh, daily, uh, and it really came out so obviously at the time, because they were half the height they are now, maybe 30,000 feet today, maybe under even 15,000 when they first started in Ontario. 
And it literally was like walking out the door and looking up and watching a sci-fi uh, scenario right around you and all above you as this stuff, wide trails too, literally on a checkerboard pattern were all across the sky. So and now, of course, we've got to a safer, higher heights. They're always talking about doing geoengineering, which means they're already doing it, of course. They know that too. And uh, it's having an effect on the population and their pets as well. Now, as we go international and more and more international, uh, and the U.S. still has to go more and more international to catch up with Europe because it's supposed to. You see, that's the plan, which they've written about, actually, that part of it. The, the Prime Minister of Britain is calling for foreign police now to take the top jobs in England. And it says that David Cameron has suggested that foreign police chiefs could be brought in to help drive out corruption and complacency. That's amazing that, you know, because Britain at one time had the, the, a really good police force that didn't go around beating people up and tasering folk and, and so on. And uh, there were just enough police to do the job, and that's all they had to do was just a basic job. And they didn't hassle the people either or, or do hunts on the roads like, like in packs catching speeding drivers like they do today but uh, I think they've asked the mafia to come in and help them back with more after this Hi folks, we're back in Cuttings with Matrix and it's interesting too that this great uh, amalgamation system that they have now where they amalgamate whole countries. This is better than the old days when they just had kings and queens. Back then they could only uh, give away a country or two in, in, the, in, in the woman's dowry when she was getting married to a king. Now, now it's whole, it's, it's like 20, 30 countries at a time get merged together. It's even better than the Soviet Union style. So, and they're using cash to really pull it all together. And even when they have a crisis on the cash, uh, it, it helps them to amalgamate even further into it. To save themselves, they've got to throw cash into some black hole where money disappears, and I guess it goes to money heaven, just like the last crash. But uh, it's astonishing. We're supposed to think we're logical people and a, and a logical species, and meanwhile we're putting up this utter nonsense as every country uh, is taxing its people to the hilt uh, so that they can uh, throw the cash into this black hole to save uh, other countries that are supposedly failing, which means they'll all fail eventually, obviously. And they have to borrow the cash as well. They can't even raise it all from the taxpayer. They've got to borrow it from the same bankers who run uh, the central banks of Europe. It's, it's what a con this is. And uh, sometimes you imagine if an alien came down and studied this con game going on, uh, he'd, he'd catch on pretty quickly how it works, I'm sure. But if you're just a normal human in, in, in the trenches, you get confused because you can't think people could be so stupid or crazy. But they're not stupid or crazy. They're crazy as a fox. They know exactly what they're doing. So every crisis is used to their advantage. That They love to say that, in fact. And uh, they want to get the euro as the only currency across the whole of Europe. And they're doing a great job. I can remember when they were trying to get the countries to go along uh, and vote to go European and give up their, their sovereignty. And, um, and they kept saying, and the ads, the massive campaigns that governments put on the, the television was, you've got to join or you'll be left behind. Anybody who's left behind now is sitting with a sigh of relief. They never joined it because they've still got cash that's worth something. Uh, all the ones who joined it are destitute, flooded with immigration, um, 
borrowing money like crazy to give away to other countries that are failing. What a con, what a con. But the big bankers will control all this right to the end. But this article says, Get a grip, Chancellor urges the EU leaders as they meet in last-ditch talks to save the euro amid debt crisis that threatens Britain. Threatens them all, actually. And it says... uh, um, George Osborne urged European leaders to get a grip when they meet in Brussels today in a bid to resolve the debt crisis and save the euro. Why not let it just sink? Yeah. The Chancellor of the Exchequer warned that if action was not taken, we see the potential for a set of economic events that could be as damaging as 2008 and that Britain would not be spared. Why not just tear up all the debt? We should all do that, shouldn't we? Make a ceremony all on television across the world at the same time of ripping up the debt. Right? And then tossing it away. And then you don't start from scratch by borrowing again. How about that? How about trying that? That's just too sensible, isn't it? And then too, there's a small clique that would lose a lot of power if that was the case. Anyway, also in a dramatic move away from the traditional Tory reticence over a more centralised Europe, Mr. Osborne called for a greater fiscal union amongst Eurozone countries. He insisted Britain would remain inside the euro, but said the remorseless logic of the single currency meant issuing a single bond for those 70 member states worthy of serious consideration. But on the other hand, too, they're talking about, as I say, integrating it all even further, the whole money system, with the IMF, World Bank, and all the rest of it, which is the agenda, of course. They'll come to the rescue eventually with a whole new proposal, and that'll be the, the start of the system that the U.S. and Canada and every other country has to has to copy. That's what it's all about, really. Quite simple. And also in this article from Reuters, it goes into it further. They're talking about a global tax on financial transactions to limit the risk of another economic crisis. They keep bringing on economic crisis because of the system, and then they want more taxes. They want a global tax on top of that. And it's funny that because... The United Nations wanted a global tax on financial transactions about seven or eight years ago. So it's the same thing coming back. They never go away with their ideas. They always just put one on the back burner if people don't fall for it the first time. And in, in Canada, there's a massive blitz. If you were to look up what Parliament's doing, you think they're doing nothing across the country. All the provinces are just talking about going green, apparently. Uh, it's like some big party or, or something. And um, it says the big, the, big, the big. This is Ontario. The big green surge defend off critics of Ontario's renewable energy strategy. Ontario Minister of Energy Brad Duguid's progress report 2011 had this message when it was released by on, on July the 6th 2011. Ontario is leading the way when it comes to producing reliable energy from clean renewable sources. This declaration was preceded. Listen to this by a surge of studies, pronouncements, press releases, campaigns, interviews website launches, etc., from numerous large and small environmental non-governmental organizations out to save the planet from man-made global warming, as predicted by the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. The ENGOs, along with their industrial allies, are concerned that the milk wagon, that is the feed and tariff program, will no longer stop at their door if the Liberal government of Dalton McGuinty should lose the election this fall. They're all living off the taxpayer. That's what they're telling you here. All these NGOs under the United Nations are living off the taxpayer to brainwash us to go along with their agenda. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. It's just astonishing when you go into the United Nations website where you see these all these director generals telling the non-governmental organizations to have mass campaigns uh, through all the media, just knowing they can afford to do it. There's so much money behind them through the foundations to brainwash the public. I, I personally resent that. I, I resent things being put out there to try and brainwash me uh, with slogans and, and so on. Nothing that's really explained in any depth because they can't go into any depth with it in a scientific basis. So they just win by slogans like Lenin said and people start parroting the slogans, go green and all that stuff. Uh, it's just, that's how it's done. People don't think or reason through the big problems but they don't even realize there's mass campaigns launched at the same time, lasting maybe a month at a time, from maybe a hundred organizations all working under the UN through all their media to brainwash them into going along with something until it becomes their opinion that that's the way to go. It's very simple, isn't it? I think Jack Shalal said people don't reason, so did um, Bertrand Russell. He says you can get more done with the people with a brass band than an hour of oratory. And that's sadly true. It's very sadly true. There's a long-distance caller hanging on from Scotland. It's Adam, if he's there. Are you there, Adam? Um, Hello? Hi. Hi, Alan. Hi. How are you doing? Hi, Alan. Yeah, I'm, well, as good as I can be. <laughs> um, thanks for taking my call, Alan. As usual, it's a pleasure to speak to you. Um, I've got a question, actually, uh, regarding WikiLeaks. Now, I've, I've not actually heard your, your thoughts on WikiLeaks. Now, I know I think WikiLeaks came out maybe 2006, I think it was. Um, Julian Assange, I think it was, that brought it out. Now, I'm not going to expose him. I don't, I don't know enough about him, to be honest with you. I'm not going to be accusing him of anything, but mm-hmm. I said at the time, um, with WikiLeaks, um, to people at the time I thought actually knew better, I said at the time, uh, 2006, this was, that I guarantee you nothing big will come out of uh, WikiLeaks. Nothing big will come out that's going to expose a top guy, i.e. 9-11, JFK, you name it, World Bank and families, nothing big is going to come out of this. Um, it's, and what I can see so far is, is small-time corruption that's come out of WikiLeaks. And a lot of the public, I, think, I said I think, at the time, I, I it, said It's the almost time, gossip. It's almost gossip what's coming out a lot of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah no, it is, absolutely. It's not gossip, it's, it's still small-time. I said at yeah. the time to my friends who I thought knew better, um, that nothing huge is going to come out. There's got to be small-time things that... It's basically, I think, it's to do with getting the public, get the public to think, right, okay, uh, we're starting to hear the truth. Uh, the government cannot keep secrets anymore. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's a con as far as I'm concerned. I don't know for a fact if it is, Alan. I don't know if it is. I don't know much about Julian Assange, but I said at the time, nothing big's going to come out. Um, we're never going to hear the truth about any big event. There's not going to be any Rockefellers or any of these boys in jail over any of these documents. No. Um, and I think I said at the time as well, and I think it's a key point. I said at the time, let's say three years from now, right? Um, if these small-time documents come out exposing things, minor things, left and right, um, I think after a while, even a lot of people who are onto the onto the game, who know what's going on, is going to actually gradually think, well, if that's the case, maybe 9/11's not an inside job. Maybe JFK. Maybe it's maybe there's no conspiracies at these top levels because surely something would be leaked from WikiLeaks. 
And as I as I thought, I predicted this years ago, Alan, and I can actually hear some of my friends saying that today. If 9-11 was an inside job, surely would a couple of documents here or here le- leaked. And we've obviously not heard anything. No, no it's nothing. So far. That's right, there's nothing. And I notice it's very selective with the countries he seems to be looking into, uh, and he's avoiding others. And... Um, I think Alan Dershowitz actually has come up to be his lawyer, defense lawyer against these charges, one of the top uh, hotshot lawyers in the, in the U.S. And, um, and other people came forward, too, in the British side, too, that were the, the suspicious usual characters as well, which maybe can you know, you know, ask the question, really, why, why, why are they coming forward to, to defend them? Um, this, see, you understand there's a lot of geopolitics going on here, too, uh, and that would take a, day, a while to go into, but uh, there's no doubt about it. It's awfully selective in, in what he's, he's showing you. I've always said that, that, that and I've watched this for years, um, the technique is when the chessboard is laid out for the next 20 or 50 years, they know what they want to introduce at the top. That's, that's, that's simple stuff. We want to do this, this, and this, and this, and change the public from uh, perceiving or, or even behaving or living like that to, to living like this. And they say, well, there's different segments of the population. We know that one segment will oppose us by getting their own leaders, grassroots, and, and trying to, to oppose what we do. So what we'll do is we'll train someone in advance and make him a leader. This is an old, ancient technique. They design the leaders for you in advance, the heroes. And they, they often launch them. Generally, it's a bad guy uh, who's, who's suddenly come on your side or he's left the military or something like that. And you, you fall for it. He knows a lot, therefore he'll be our leader, and he's awfully confident. They use that technique a lot in the U.S. They've even shown you that in movies they've made. It's a, it's a standard uh, role that they play. And so I wonder too about uh, about Assange and and his background, even because um, I do know about his background. I do know about the organization and even the sort of group he was born into. They had awfully strange ties that they were. They were called the Great White Race. It was a free love community in Australia uh, to do with breeding special people, believe it or not, eugenics. And um, I think that uh, that's why his hair used to be bleached blonde all the time, because everyone in, in that group had to bleach their hair blonde or, or be blonde, one or the other. So there's a lot more to this than meets the eye, but there's definitely it ties into the old Blavatsky stuff too, because she mentioned the Great White Race uh, that would come uh, and tied in with eugenics, and that's that's not touched at all uh, these days uh, on on that whole background. Was he groomed for this? Was his background? Does his background have anything to do with it? His upbringing? I don't know. All I do know is that there's some very big people behind him and coming forward to help him. And to me, when I looked at a lot of the, the WikiLeaks stuff, a lot of it was just almost like gossipy telephone calls back and forth. There was very little meat to go by. And, and, I mean, yeah, they could have gone into the New American Century, for instance, l- listened to all their calls, uh, all, all their emails to each other to, to show how the war was. Other, Actually, mainstream even did some of that and showed you how it was all set up in advance. They wanted to attack those countries. Um, why didn't he? Why didn't he go into other countries that were misled- mistreating people or, or, or killing and slaughtering people? But he mainly focused upon the U.S. side of it. Not that I'm condoning the U.S. side of it, but uh, he definitely concentrated mainly on that. Uh, and even Britain got off fairly fairly free as well. So I, I don't understand it at all. It doesn't make much sense to me 
Um, but I, I am used to them giving us leaders, and sometimes it, take, it takes a year or two before you find out uh, what it's all about. Um, but it's a standard technique. I always say to you, remember, they know what they want to do 10 years from now. They know the opposition will have 10 years from now, and they will have a, a hero ready to lead you uh, against what you think are the ones who are implementing an agenda. Uh, they train them, and uh, and they look like you, they talk like you, and, and they're trained to, to be a leader. So be very careful who you follow. That's all I say to people, because you'll, you'll never know really who they are. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's actually what I thought as well. You know, I thought at the time, like, there's no way um, a tool like WikiLeaks could possibly come out of the ether without uh, these big boys at the top uh, allowing it to happen. There's no way on earth yeah. something like this could come out and expose MD without mm-hmm. approval. Just, it wouldn't be allowed for a start, you know. Um, yeah. But you're yeah. right. I thought at the time, you know, this is obviously one of these one of these kind of front men, the hero front man to try and say, right, well, try and quell a lot of resistance. Because most people today that I know of anyway, they're certainly on to a lot of the things. And they begin to realise, like, okay, there's a lot of corruption here and there. I think what a tool that WikiLeaks just came along and it's going, to, it's going to quell a lot of resistance, I think, because it's going to expose things here and there. Small things, nothing big, as I said at the start. But it's going to and quell a lot of people's resistance against it. The other strange part, uh, yeah, the other strange part is, believe you me, if, if the big boys want you, they get you. You know, if they put out something, they, they, you know, they don't go hunting for, they, they can find you anytime they want and, and do away with you quite easily in a hundred different ways. Uh, you can't travel from country to country. I don't care if you've got forged passports or whatever, uh, when you're, you're, you're such a, a well-known, your, your face is all over the internet and all over the, the television. Um, that was a bit odd too that they could travel back and forth for such a long time when supposedly exposed all of this stuff. So um, I, I just don't know. I, I just keep a. I put it in the, the, the box with a question mark and leave it for a future reference to, to we, if we ever find out. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll just you know. But yeah, be, be very very careful who who you follow. Uh, there's generally a reason for this kind of stuff. Uh, that other the true ones who come out, believe you me. Um, don't last long, like the Kellys. They're, they're killed pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, they are. They're, they're killed quickly. They don't mess around at the top. If you're a danger to them, they will get rid of you eventually. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that's why I was suspicious instantly. This guy's still alive, and he's, you know, there's no way he's going to expose anything big. But mm-hmm. you're absolutely right, Alan. Um, but, but thanks. I, I really just wanted to hear your opinion on that. Um, I appreciate that, Alan. And I've actually got a couple of my friends into some of your uh, blogs and some of your interviews, and they're actually beginning to wake up as well now, thanks to yourself. Because I don't think there's anyone out there as good as you, Alan, to actually, as far as the newcomers involved, to get them really understanding what's going on. I think you're actually the best out there. You're a great help to me, myself, Alan. Mm-hmm. And I was always I was always very suspicious since I was a wee boy, but you've helped me big time. And I'm starting to get a few of my friends in as well, thanks to yourself. So I really appreciate everything you're doing, Alan. Well, you, you hang in there, and we'll talk to Bye. you again then. Thank you, Alan. Bye now. And um, there's also uh, John from New York City there. Hello? Is John there? Is John from New York City there? Hello, can you hear me? Is that John, is it? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can, yep. All right, cool. Uh, I would just like to say, uh, oh, yeah. First of all, it's like a desert out here. It's like a thousand degrees. Uh, I would like to say something about what you were talking about earlier, about 
who to be careful to follow. The Grand Poobah of Freemasonry said, uh, Albert Pike said, we will always give the people their heroes. And speaking about Freemasons, can you tell me about Manly P. Hall? Yeah. Yeah, Manly P. Hall, um, he was picked up when he was pretty young, actually. Uh, he was going nowhere. And this is what you find, uh, with, uh, especially in Freemasonry. He was picked up by uh, an heiress, uh, a woman who, I think she was a, a, a widow, and uh, she was loaded, of course, and she suddenly picked him up, uh, had him have a big, fantastic place built to, uh, where he could sit and write and write and write. And uh, this is supposedly where he turned out all his books from. Uh, he was associated with the, the Philosophical Society as well in Pennsylvania uh, and Rosicrucianism. What, what's that? Uh, Rosicrucianism is really the precursor uh, of Freemasonry. Uh, it's still on the go today. There's a fake one and a, and a more genuine one. The fake one is in California. The genuine one is in Pennsylvania. And um, so he, he, he was involved with, with them. Um, the one in Pennsylvania, they had a dedication uh, to the, the, their, their rose garden, they called it. They'll have roses, the international symbol of socialism. And, yeah, and they have a, they have a, a rose garden there where they even scatter the ashes of cremated members on the garden there, actually, in Pennsylvania. And, uh, you, you find that, um, the rose also stands for what they call the perennial religion because it's a perennial plant. Well, Perennials, as, as every other year, it, it, will, it will come back again. It will come back again, no matter what you do. It will come back again and start all over. Like some sort of, like some sort of reincarnation. Reincarnation. They're they're into that kind of stuff, uh, absolutely. Um, and there's songs written about the rose. You know, uh, a, a big one that was done a, a few years ago about the rose. Oh yeah, every thorn, uh, every rose ha- has its thorn or whatever. Yeah, and also uh, at the end of every winter, underneath the snow there lies the seed, the seed that blossoms again, meaning constant revolution. That's what it means, revolution towards international, uh, a form of international socialism, but a socialism run by an elite, the uh, uh, elitists and intellectuals over what they call the profane. The profane are those in the dark. The proletariat, in other words, or the proles, as George Orwell would call them. <laughs> and I'm one of the profane. <laughs> well, there's, there's lots out there, believe you me. You have lots of good company because most people are. Most folk have no idea that there's anything wrong in life at all. Uh, they think that the whole system and culture they're living in is all quite natural because they were born into it. They have no idea what went before. And... Um, and they're easily programmed to go along with anything new without reasoning or, or learning about it for themselves. They're quite happy to take the, the surface story on anything and just go with it. So most are profane. Profane, profane means you live in the dark, you know. Yeah. So, so that's really what it is. But, uh, yeah, but you'll find, as I say, there's lots of, lots and lots of books uh, out there written by Freemasons telling you their plan. Pike certainly told you the plan. And then his student uh, Mazzini became the world, uh, the head of the World Revolutionary Party, in, and, in, and, and uh, Lenin, Lenin took over from him. Pardon? In Morals and Dogma. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he, Albert Pike says in Morals and Dogma, he said, he says, our members, you know, meaning the wealthier members, obviously, he says, our members should uh, use every means to, 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 to get power through the economics. He says, even using uh, the stock exchange, the, the stock market, uh, and what he, what he was hinting, if you read it properly, he's even talking about manipulating the stock market. Any, any means are possible to gain lots of power and, and money. And he says, we shall become masters over the masters of the world. Well, that's what you have today. You the have a small... masters over the masters. Wow. Yep, the world. So in other words, you don't have small localized private banks where you can go and, and borrow and invest and so on. Now today you've got international bankers. And that, that's where all that, of that comes from, of course. But, uh, but remember, masonry is as a front in itself for something else. But, but thanks for, for calling. Thanks for taking my call. And take care. And uh, there's Frank from uh, North Carolina on the line. Are you there, Frank? Uh, yes. Can you hear me? I can, sure. Okay, good. Uh, I know uh, you've been speaking about the Tavistock Institute uh, ever since I first started listening to you, and I imagine you probably know a lot about them going way back, and I was just uh, wondering if you could tell me yes or no. I, I don't expect you to get into it a whole lot. Uh, it's just kind of a particular side issue with me, but can you tell me if the author, Ian Fleming, uh, was connected with them? I, I don't know if he was connected with them, but he would certainly be aware of them. Uh, because um, the Tavistock Institute just wasn't just to hold on actually and I'll touch on that when I come back from this break. We're back and cutting through the matrix, talking to Frank from North Carolina about Tavistock and, and Fleming, who was a spy novelist master. But, yeah, a lot of these guys would definitely know of it or even get shown around it because they had classes within uh, that uh, hospital or experimental laboratory, if you like, because that's really what it was. It started off as a mental hospital, and the whole idea was to uh, not to cure, nothing to do with curing mental illness. It was to find ways of controlling society and they used uh, uh, lots of techniques even the techniques that were later used in MK Ultra uh, with, with shocks uh, uh, they went even further they put wires in the brains of people but they also showed uh, agents who were in MI5 and who would be dealing with the public techniques of, of uh, bringing people under their influence to use to use them in fact or to get information out of them so that they had little lessons being taught in that particular place as well so it's very possible Fleming was in we know that Huxley was in Aldous Huxley because he talked about it at Berkeley in the 1960s and it's up there on YouTube somewhere where you'll actually hear him talking about being so fascinated with Tavistock and how that wires in folks brains and they could actually make them turn and stop just like Delgado with the bull and he thought that was wonderful, a wonderful experiment. But um, so Tavistock really is more than just uh, just that. It's really to do with a whole range from even media indoctrination. It's now called neuroscience. That the, the home of it all came from Tavistock because BBC worked with it for an awful long time, uh, even from World War One. 
for propaganda on the radio. Uh, Tavistock was heavily involved in, in forming propaganda techniques through, even through fiction entertainments and the, what they called the serial. They had to tune, tune in the next day and hear the next part of the drama. Uh, so they had all these techniques to see how you could alter the behavior of the populations through uh, fic- mainly fiction, but also non-fiction, how to present news in a certain way, word it in a certain way, that the, the listener would come to the conclusion that was desired by the, the person giving out the info. So it was, an, it was to do with all of the sciences that they now call neuroscience. And um, uh, no doubt if they'd carried on, they would be, they would be putting the actual chip in the brain today, but, but back in the, the 50s and 60s, or up to the 60s, they were using straight wires in the brain and, and little little tools where they could punish a person uh, and shock them or else give them literally literally a, a permanent orgasm. A, a permanent orgasm. That was one of the things they could do with the wires in the brain as well. So it wasn't just rats that were practicing on, as you'll see in your little school books on, on, uh, on the rats and stimulating the brain. They were actually using human beings all that time from the creation of Tavistock. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also, I wanted to give out a bit of news um, that a lot, a lot of people might not have heard of. Uh, I know that guy that was connected with Murdoch, the Murdoch scandal, the whistleblower who was a journalist, he turned up dead, right? Yeah. I yeah. think his first name was Sean. Uh, a lot of these guys keep turning out dead, especially these uh, microbiologists and people connected with that pill that are involved in the military, quasi-military labs and whatnot. Uh, mm-hmm. There's another gentleman, apparently, that just turned up dead, and uh, he was referred to in a July 13th interview by the former director of studies at the uh, U.S. Army War College. Uh, Dr. Uh-huh. Alan Sabrowski, a former uh, Marine, and yeah. also the director, former director of studies there. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is supposedly a demolitions expert, I believe, in uh, Norway. And uh, he just turned up dead three days after he was referred to yeah. in this interview uh, on his way home from church. Well, they always find a natural cause, even if you fall 2,000 feet from the sky. <laughs> I mean, this, this is it. But, yeah, but thanks for calling. And this happens all the time. By the way, uh, Asanji, um, the, the group that was associated with the Santini Keaton Park Association and the Great White Brotherhood, that's what his mum was involved in. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you.